It's an exciting time when we get together. This is, Eugene keeps saying this is family. It is family. We're all of the family of God. And we're Victory Center family. And we're excited about what God's doing in Victory Center and around the world. And I just have to tell you that uh, I, I had told my sister-in-law who went to camp meeting with me this week. I said, I am so excited that I get to preach this Sunday. Because I feel like I have been in a little bit of heaven here on this earth. And that's the way we should always feel when we gather around the Word of God. But there were, I don't know how many thousands of people there were at camp meeting. Uh, the place was pretty much packed. And um, it was the 50th camp meeting that uh, Rama and Brother Hagen has had over the years. And, and Pastor Charlie and I used to go early on. Uh, and it was just, it just brought back all of those memories <laughs> to me. And um, so it was kind of an emotional time, but it was a very spiritual time. And I experienced um, an infusion. I feel like I, I experienced an infusion of the word of faith. And you know what? We need those infusions because the devil's out to steal our faith. If he can steal our faith, he can steal from us. And so we have got to keep ourselves current. That's one thing that really stood out to me. We've got to keep ourselves current in faith, in the Word of God, in what God's doing in our lives, and not let anything slip and go into lukewarmness. We do not need to be lukewarm in this day and hour. Do not. Let lukewarmness come in because that's what the devil wants. And when the lukewarmness comes, it, it's just uh, there's no power to stand against what the enemy's bringing. And I'm going to tell you right now, I didn't intend to do this at the first, but I'm going to tell you right now, I don't know what's going to happen in the world. I have an idea of what's going to happen in the world. And it is not going to be good for a while. I don't know how long. We already know it's not good out there. But I can tell you this. We are living in the land of Goshen. We as God's children that walk by faith and not by sight, we have a place of a, a habitation that is not of this world. And different things happen to us than happens in the world. Protection, provision, health, and a little bit of heaven is going to be where we're at. And so we're establishing the kingdom of God right now. We just de declare it. I don't care what happens out in the world. I don't care what monkeypox comes, what COVID comes, whatever, whatever comes. We are establishing the kingdom of God right here in Victory Center Church and in this Victory Center family. So that's the way it's going to be. So there, devil. Amen. So this morning, uh, you all have been, most of you have been listening to me 
preached for probably a couple of months now on a subject called Unforced Rhythms of Grace. And uh, you would think, okay, my, oh, I don't know if I can or not. They're wanting me to take my left earring off. Can y'all handle me with just one earring? Oh, I don't know if I could handle it or not. I'll tell you what happened. I had my mind so much on what the Lord wanted me to share today, and I just I spaced out putting on my microphone till during praise and worship. And so I'm wearing actually a different microphone than I normally wear. And so I, uh, thankfully, we've got helpers that remember things that I don't remember. So, so my price that I have to pay is I can only wear one earring. So we're all going to deal with it, right? Okay. Um, so I've been teaching on unforced rhythms of grace, and every time I would get through, I would uh, think, okay, that's my last one in that series, and then the Lord would give me another one. And so then I would teach that, and then another one. And so I thought, last time I taught, now that has to be the end of it. But no. And let me just tell you this. I have determined that every message that I bring in this place will come from God. It will not be something that I have, a sermon that I've had to get and work up. It's going to be a message from God. And so... This is a message from God. He just started telling me some things that I thought, well, something I needed to know, something they needed to know. So I want to start this morning with our foundation scripture in the Message Bible in Matthew, the 11th chapter. And uh, we're going to go just a little bit different direction, but uh, it's going to include everything that we have studied so far. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? And let me tell you, there is death in religion. Just doing things to get to do things. And that's what I've determined. When I get up here to minister, I'm not going to just preach to be preaching. It's going to have to come from God because otherwise it's just religion. So Jesus is talking here and he says, come to me. And then he says, get away with me and you'll recover your life. There's a difference between living God's life and just breathing. A lot of people just breathe and they're existing. But there is a life that is so fabulous. Jesus calls it abundant life. And so he says, you're going to recover. You're going to get that life if you come to me. And I will show you how to take a real rest. So when you're tired and worn out, what you really need is rest. Now, I know how to take naps. Some people can't take naps. I could show you how. I'm really good at it. But Jesus says here, there is a real rest. That goes beyond just your body. There's a real rest. And he says, walk with me and work with me. And watch how I do it. And then he says, and this is what we've been teaching on, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. 
I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. That's the way God wants us to live. He doesn't want us to be heavily, heavy burdened and try to force things in our life. So that's what we've been talking about. This week, I had an experience with the unforced rhythms of grace. So I want to just share this with you. You all probably recognize what this is. Maybe some of you actually know what it's for. And actually, this week we got rain. Hallelujah. So I was over at a camp meeting, and it started raining really, really, really hard. Now, I remember that I had an umbrella in my car, but it didn't. I just thought, well, it doesn't matter if I have an umbrella because it doesn't work. It, because at Tommy uh, Tomlinson's funeral, we had it on the 18th hole of the golf course, and it was 99 degrees at 6 o'clock in the evening, and the sun was shining brightly, and it was hot. And so I had brought my umbrella, and I think I'd have just used it once. I brought my umbrella, and uh, so one of the guys there was trying to get it up so I could use it. And so he, he started working at it, and he, he got it up like that, and then it wouldn't stay up. And he just kept working out. And, I said, and he said, look. He said, it's broke. And I said, oh, great. So anyway, we made it through that. So I knew that I had this umbrella in the vehicle when it was raining over there at Broken Era. And it was the night that I was getting uh, ordained. And I had fixed my hair that day really well. And I wasn't about to go out and get it wet. And so I, uh, so I thought, well, I sure wish that umbrella would work, but it, but it doesn't. And so I said, um, I'm just going to have to pray. So I prayed that the Lord would stop the rain until I could get into the church. Well, you know what happened? He stopped the rain. I ran to the car, got to the church, got into the church, and then the gully worship came again. Hallelujah! I thought, that is awesome. And then I looked at my, my phone to see what was supposed to do the next morning when I was going to be going out again, and um, it said it was supposed to be raining. And I thought, well, I am not going to get wet. I mean, you know, we're not used to wet in the panhandle. So I thought, I'm going to just take this umbrella in, and I'm going to see if I can fix it. Because everybody needs an umbrella when you're over at Tulsa area. So I took this in, and I, all the lights were on in the, house, in the room, and I looked at it, and I thought, okay, we're going to see if we can get this thing to stay up. And all of a sudden, I happened to notice there was a button here. <laughs> and I thought, huh, interesting. So I pushed the button, <laughs> and lo and behold, it works. And I thought, my goodness, I think I have experienced the unforced rhythm of grace. And I saw, I, I mean, immediately, and, and not only that, look at this. Is that awesome or what? I thought that was easy. 
That was so easy that I just had to learn how to work it. And so that's what I begin to see is what's so important about us learning the unforced rhythms of grace is because we get heavy laden. We get worn out because we're trying to force something that only God can help us with. And uh, the meaning, I just want to give you the meaning of the word grace that we're talking about in this series is God's power working in you, enabling you to do what you can't do on your own. Now, how many of you think you might need that? So, I got to thinking, uh, this word grace and the meaning of grace, it's wonderful. But how does grace come to us? I mean, is it just like an invisible substance that floats down from heaven when we need it, and all of a sudden we have it? How do we get that grace to work in our life? What is it? Then the Lord began to give me scriptures. So I want to start with Ephesians, the first chapter. This is Paul. And he is praying for the Ephesians and for us as well. And he is saying this in verse 17. For I always pray the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that he may grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation, of insight into mysteries and secrets, in the deep and intimate knowledge of him, by having the eyes of your own heart flooded with light, so that you can know and understand the hope to which he has called you and how rich is his glorious inheritance in the saints, his separated or set-apart ones. We could teach on every part of that. But it's verse 19 that I want to really center in on. This is Paul talking, and he's, he's praying that we may know and understand what is the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his power in and in and for us who believe as demonstrated in the working of his mighty strength. So Paul is saying there is a power that is at work within you that you need to know and to understand. And then he begins to describe this power and he says it's immeasurable, it's unlimited, it's, suppress, un, it's surpassing greatness, it's way beyond greatness. And then he begins to explain it in verse 20. It's the same power that he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Now when Jesus was in, whenever he was dead... His body was dead. His spirit was in the very depths of hell. And he had taken every bit of sin that ever had been committed, ever would be committed. All of the sins of the world, he had taken them and he was paying the price for them. So you wouldn't have to. And then there come a time 
whenever the power of God, it was the greatest power that existed in the universe, went down into the pit of hell, and there in the pit of hell, that power was stronger than any sin, any sickness, any demon, stronger than the devil himself, that power went down into that pit and raised Christ from the dead. And Paul said, I would like for you to know that on the inside of you is that same power that raised Christ from the dead. Now we get another little bit glimpse into it in Romans the 8th chapter. Romans 8, verse 11. Now the spirit of him who raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you. So Paul is saying that spirit that we were just talking about that's immeasurable. He says that same spirit dwells in you. And if. Then he who raised up Christ from the dead, then, let me just start again. And if the spirit of him who raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then he who raised up Christ from the dead will also restore to life your mortal, short-lived, perishable bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So he is saying, Paul is saying, the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is a spirit. The power that raised Jesus from the dead is the spirit of God. So what would we say? We would say it is the Holy Spirit. The third part of the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is the one that exerted the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And Paul is saying, now, if that same Spirit dwells in you, you have the same power. And he says, I like the Amplified. It says that same Spirit will restore your mortal body. I've been using that every morning. I say, Father, thank you. That the Spirit of God is on the inside of me and he is my restorer. And he is restoring. You know what he's restoring? He's restoring me to youth. Barbara, <laughs> she had her birthday yesterday. I won't tell you which one it was. But, but it's restoring. It's, it's putting new cartilage in my knees. It's putting new cartilage in my back. It's doing a bunch of things in my body, restoring it. Power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us. Awesome power. And Jesus made, made some statements when he was here with the disciples, some interesting statements. Uh, in uh, Acts, the first chapter, verses 4 and 5, He's talking to his disciples. He's raised from the dead now. And uh, 
actually in John the 20th chapter, he, he, the disciples were gathered around and he breathed on them and it says they received the Holy Spirit. Well, we know that at that time they were born again. Their, they, their spirit came alive in John 20. They were born again in John 20. And uh, they had been with Jesus all this time. And Jesus said, uh, let, let me just read it. Whoops, I didn't find it. Okay, here we go. And while being in their company and eating with them, this is after Jesus was already resurrected, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, of which he said, you have heard me speak. For John baptized with water, but not many days from now, you shall be baptized, placed in, introduced into the Holy Spirit. So we call that, you're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. But Jesus made that interesting statement in uh, John, John um, excuse me, Acts 1, 4. He said, do not leave Jerusalem till, until this happens. And yet, they'd been with him. I mean, they had seen him cast out devils. They had seen him raise the dead. And they had even gone out and done some of that themselves because Jesus had empowered them. But now he said, don't do anything until you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Do not do anything. It's Jesus' version of don't leave home without it. Don't do anything until... You receive the Holy Spirit. It's not going to be very long. Not many days hence, he said. And then he said in verse 8, he said, um, but you shall receive power. So he's describing what this experience is going to do for them or what this person that they're going to receive is going to do for them. He says, you will receive power. You're going to receive ability. You're going to receive efficiency. And you're going to receive might when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the very bounds of the earth. He's saying you cannot do what you need to do to spread my word and establish the kingdom of God until you receive this power from on high. This is the grace that comes down from heaven. The grace to help you do what you can't do on your own. And Jesus himself said in uh, John 16, 7, he was talking to the disciples. However, I'm telling you nothing but the truth when I say it is profitable, good, expedient and advantageous for you that I go away. Now, how could that be? I mean, here was this son of God here on this earth, and they had walked and talked with him. They had, they had participated in his ministry. And he says, it's going to be better for you that I go away. What? It's going to be better for you that I go away? 
But then he, just, he explains it. He says, because if I do not go away, and I want you to just pay attention to these words, the comforter, the counselor, the helper, the advocate, the intercessor, the strengthener, the standby, whoa, will not come to you in close fellowship with you but if I go away, I will send him to you to be in close fellowship with you. So he's saying, basically he said, I'm just one person here on this earth. Actually, Jesus was a man anointed by the Holy Spirit. He called himself the Son of Man. Yes, he was the Son of God, but he emptied himself of everything that he had as as, that, as the Son of God came down to earth as a man and demonstrated what a man can do that is righteous before God and the, a man that is anointed by the Holy Ghost. And you will notice that Jesus did nothing until he was anointed with the Holy Ghost. When he was baptized in water, that very moment when he came up out of the water, the Bible says the Holy Spirit came upon him like a dove. And from that moment on, he began to do signs, wonders, and miracles. So how did he know that they shouldn't go anywhere out of Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit came? Because he had experienced that. He had experienced the limitations of the flesh. Until... The Holy One came upon them. The Holy Spirit came upon him. And then he experienced what it meant to be anointed by the third person of the Trinity. And Jesus knew that you and I, in all our human frailties, we need help. And he said, don't do anything until the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you know what happened in Acts, starting in verse, verse 1. Let's just look at it real quickly. Acts 2, 1. Excuse me. Acts 2, 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place because they obeyed Jesus and they, at least 120 of them did, they say that maybe they, uh, there was at least 500 people that Jesus had told to go to Jerusalem. But only 120 obeyed him. But when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly, now, you know, I'm just thinking like the disciples thought. Uh, he said that the Holy Spirit was going to come, but I wonder what's going to happen. I mean, you know, we've never experienced that before. We don't know. Maybe it's going to be a dove. We're going to all gather together, and suddenly there's a dove comes down, and we're all going to just be just like Jesus. They didn't know. But they were just there. Finally, I don't know if finally they got in one accord. But I know that, the, that there's a timetable with God. And the, 
the day of Pentecost finally came, and suddenly there was a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. Now they begin to say, something must be happening. And so they sat there, and there was tongues of fire on top of their heads, and uh, four, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They all were filled with the Holy Ghost. And they all began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And now they're starting to experience something. This must be that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And so they got, what happened on that day was that Peter, not many days before that, had been so cowardly, he had denied Jesus three times. And now he stands up and he preaches a sermon and 3,000 people get saved, and he doesn't just, I mean, it's not any wimpy sermon either. He stood up in front of those uh, hypocrites and the, the religious people and said, You crucified Jesus. But now look at this. And he began to explain what was happening. And 3,000 people got saved. Was it wise for him to wait? in Jerusalem till he went out to be a witness? It was wise. Because there's no way the old Peter would have been able to preach a sermon and get 3,000 people saved. No way. But now, he has help. He has help. And so... Um, in John 14, 6, let's go back to John 14, 6. John 14, 16, sorry. I'm reading it wrong. John 14, 16. Now, this is Jesus saying, you know, it's better for me to go away because I'm going to send you somebody else. And this is all the things that this person of, the, of God, this third person of the Trinity, this is what he is going to do for us. He's going to comfort us. Now, I've experienced that comfort of the Holy Spirit in the last seven months. Oh, my goodness. There was times that I thought I could not be comforted. But... The Holy Spirit would come, and I would sense a strength that went beyond a natural comfort. And he talks about it in uh, Isaiah, the 61st chapter. He says, uh, I'm, I'm just going to paraphrase it because we, I won't take time to look it up, but he talks about the Spirit, Jesus says, or it's talking about Jesus, 
And it says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And this is what he has enabled me to do. He has anointed and qualified me, first of all, to preach the gospel. And then uh, heal the brokenhearted. And to proclaim liberty to the physical and spiritual captives. And the opening of the prison and of the eyes to those that are blind or bound. And to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, etc. And the bottom part of that is to comfort all who mourn. Go to the next one. To grant consolation and joy to those that mourn in Zion. To give them an ornament and a garland of diadem of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of joy instead of mourning. The garment of praise instead of a heavy burden and failing spirit, that they might be oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. I'm just shortening it that. So the Holy Spirit came on Jesus to do all those things. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, he will do those things in your life as well. He will comfort you when you need comfort. And then counselor. The second one is back to John... uh, John 6, 14, 16. So just leave that up there right now. So the second one is counselor. How many of you would like to have your own personal counselor? You know what the counselor will do? They will show you what you need to do. They will guide you to what you need to do. So we have our own personal counselor. Uh, There was a time... It was in 1973. Charlie and I were getting ready to go to a full gospel businessmen's meeting. And uh, just as we got ready to go, I heard, a, it was kind of like a voice, but it wasn't, a, it wasn't an audible voice. But it was, I just, it, something just came up in my spirit. And it said, you're going to hear something tonight that's going to change your life. And I was pretty excited. So we went to the full gospel businessmen's meeting. It was the most boring meeting I've ever been to. And I thought, I haven't heard anything yet. And then they dismissed. And I thought, well, I didn't hear anything to change my life. And then the, the president ran back up on the stage and said, oh, by the way, by the way, I forgot to announce that there's going to be a men's retreat at Ardmore, and he gave the date and everything. And the speakers are going to be Kenneth Copeland, Jerry Seville, and I don't know who else. But the minute he said that, I thought, Charlie's got to go to that. But like a good wife, which I was, I didn't say anything. For a little while. And then I kept saying, you know, you ought to go to that. And and. I almost ruined it for the Holy Ghost because he just said, no, I'm not going. Finally, I shut my mouth. And when I did, he decided to go. So he went, and I thought, when he goes, he's going to get something there that's going to change our life. So he came back, and he was all fired up and everything, and, and uh, I was waiting for him to tell me, what's going li- to change your life? And... Um, He said, oh, finally, after a day or so, he said, oh, by the way, I found out down there that Kenneth Hagin has started a ministry training school. 
that is called Rhema. And uh, I said, yeah. And I knew, I knew, I knew in my spirit that's what we were supposed to do. But I didn't, this time I'd learned my lesson. I didn't say anything. So I just kept it to my heart. And because uh, we knew who Brother Hagen was because he used to be on uh, the radio here, uh, on Guyman's radio station. And we were living in Perryton, so we could get it, and we was listening to him every day. And, you know, he'd end it like, this is Kenneth Hagen, H-A-G-I-N. And uh, so we knew who he was. So make a long story short, time passed, and uh, I knew that we were supposed to go to Ramah. And finally, one day I said, Lord, it's getting close to time where we really need to make a decision. You better talk to him. And that very day, he came home and he said, Margaret, what do you think about us going to Ramah? I said, well, we're supposed to go. And so that counselor that was on the inside of us spoke up and began to direct us into the way that we needed to go. So we went to Ramah. We got out of Ramah. We went to a church uh, in Perryton. And we knew that's not where we were supposed to, supposed to end up. We didn't know what we was going to do. And one day, we were getting ready to come up here to the full gospel businessmen's meeting in Guyman. And I was putting my dress over my head, and I heard that same voice that said, you're going to be living in Guyman. And I had learned my lesson. I didn't say anything to Charlie. And we were just, you know, time went by. We knew we was going to have to move. And um, one day he just said to me, I just wish God would just call me on the phone and tell me what to do. And I said, he said, and, and if he doesn't, I might just pick up and go to Guyman because they were wanting him to come up here and start a Bible study. And I said, you need to think about that real careful because then I told him what the Lord had told me. So we wound up here in Guyman. That's how it works. And let me just tell you one more. This is just this week. Just to show you how God is interested, not just in your life, but in every aspect of your life. I, we have a house over at Sealing, Oklahoma, that I, where I go to write. And um, the carpet in the house was just getting kind of junky. You know, it just didn't look right. It was, it was dirty looking to me. And I thought, I'm going to put some new flooring down. So I found this piece of flooring at Lowe's uh, quite a while back, and it matched and everything, and so I had kept it. And now it was time to get it done, and Joe was going to have some time where he could do it. And uh, so I told Brad, go get that piece of flooring. You know, go get all my flooring that I need. Well, lo and behold, they were out. It was being discontinued. He couldn't find it anywhere. I thought, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do? So we were driving home uh, on, uh, when we were coming back from Tulsa. We was driving home, and I thought, maybe Hooker would have it because that's where Joe's from, and I thought he could pick it up there. So I ran up there when I got back home to look at their flooring. And Joe had told me about this flooring that they had up there. He said it's $92 a box. But it's really good, and it's got insulation on the bottom. I mean, it's really good. So I looked. There was no, there was no color there that I liked at all, and I was disappointed. 
And so I was going home. I got about halfway down Fifth Street. And all of a sudden, I had this thought. Why don't I go buy Wirtz here in town, Lumber, and see what they have? So I quickly went to Wirtz, and lo and behold, you guessed it. They had the exact color I wanted, and this is the good part. It was half price. Instead of $92, it was $49. The counselor that's on the inside of us that we can follow the unforced rhythm of grace. When I walked out of Mertz, I said, I have just experienced the unforced rhythm of grace. The Holy Ghost working in my life, doing what I couldn't have done on my own. He is, he is counseling me. And then I'm just going to quickly look at the others here. Uh, I don't have time to finish up all of the ones that I wanted to talk about the Holy Spirit because he will lead you into truth. He will teach you things. He will teach you all things. He will bring things to your remembrance. He will take the things of Jesus and give it to you, which means he will transmit what Jesus had in him. He'll transmit it to you so you can do the works of Jesus. He will guide you into all truth. He will strengthen you like Popeye. You know, he was just an ordinary person until he ate the spinach. And then, oh, my goodness, Brutus better watch out. But the Holy Spirit is our strengthener. He'll strengthen you. We talk, last time I taught, we talked about this. How Paul said, when I'm at my very weakest, I'm at my strongest. Because G, uh, God had said, my grace is sufficient for you. Here's, your, here's my grace when you need it and you will be stronger. So there's all these I didn't have time to go into all of the functions of the Holy Spirit, but you can study it yourself. How valuable it is. See, I didn't always know this. I was raised in a denominational church, and uh, it, was a good, it was a good church. It was the Friends Church. Some people call it the Quaker Church. But they had a, they had a foundation of holiness. Um, but they had this idea that the baptism in the Holy Spirit was really sanctification. And so uh, they never talked about the way the Bible describes the baptism in the Spirit. So I didn't know except that I had two Pentecostal aunts that were preachers. And they both had daughters my age, and so I would go with them every once in a while, and I would hear them speaking in tongues. And I thought thought it was weird to tell you the truth because I didn't know my Bible. And so that was my background. So in 1973, I had got to the place where I was getting ready to leave my husband. We, we just did not get along. And I just had it. And, but before, I had, I had actually planned to do that as soon as school was out because we had one child that was still in school, or was in school at that time. We had three children, but only one was in school. 
And so uh, that just before Easter in 1973, I went to my first full gospel businessmen's meeting. It was in Spearman, Texas. George Otis was the speaker. He's the one that led Pat Boone into the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And uh, at the end of that meeting, he had us all stand up, and he began to pray over us. And for the first time in my life, I heard the voice of the Lord. And he said to me, you know, you have read that I can heal broken bodies. I hadn't seen anybody at the time, but I knew it was in the Bible. He said, I can also heal broken marriages, and I will heal yours. And that was, you know, that was the first time I'd heard God, and it was like, God spoke to me. So that next day was Easter Sunday, and all that day there was just something going on on the inside of me. I was feeling the presence of God for the first time. And I was crying, teaching the youth about God, about Jesus dying on the cross for me. And I'd heard that all my life. And all of a sudden, it was like, Jesus died for me. And I was just overwhelmed with love for him. And that night, I was laying in bed. Now, I know a lot of you have heard this story. And uh, I, I don't care because I love to hear this story. And I know you love to hear this story. And I know if Makai was here, he would love to hear this story because he always says, I love that story. It's so magical. And so, uh, but I love it. I love this story because it's, it's who I am and it's why we're here. And I just was laying in bed by my husband, and I was saying, I just was think praying. And I said, Lord, I want the closest experience I can have with you. And when I said that, immediately a light filled the room, and in the middle of that light, Jesus stood. And I was overwhelmed. And all of a sudden, out of here, somewhere here, here come some words that I didn't understand, and uh, a few of them I remembered. It sounded kind of like my aunt when she spoke in tongues, and I thought, no. And I said, I said, no, Lord, anything but that. And when I said that, the light left, Jesus left, and there was a smothering darkness that was in the room. I did not, I don't know how I knew it was, what to do, but I knew somehow. Maybe it was my counselor. But uh, I said, devil, get out of this room in Jesus' name. When I said that, the darkness left, the light was back, and Jesus was in the middle of that room again. And the words were back. And so I had a choice at that time. And I chose right. And that night, I was gloriously baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I would not, Charlie and I would not have been here. You would not be here if it was not for that decision that I made that night. Because we would have never come to Guyman. We would have never started this church. Because that was the turning point in our life. Inside of me, I received the counselor 
the helper, all of these things that I needed so desperately to take me from the place where I was getting ready to leave my husband to a place where I absolutely loved and adored my husband. That was what changed. Over the years, over the years, that Holy Spirit began to mold me, change me, and make me into what God wanted me to be, to be able to do the work of the ministry. So, I want to just challenge you this morning. Grace is not just a word. Grace is a person. Grace is the power of the Spirit of God that raised Christ from the dead. And he can dwell in each one of us. Stand with me. Now, in Luke, the, the 11th chapter, uh, <clears throat> let me just say this. Peter, and I didn't read this, but when he stood up on the day of Pentecost and they had received the baptism in the Holy Spirit and they were all speaking in tongues and, and everybody was saying, oh, they must be drunk or something. Nobody understood it. Peter stood up and said, "said this, let me just read that to you. Uh, I want to get it right. It's in Acts, the first chapter. Maybe you could get that up. I think it's 38. Acts 1. No, excuse me, Acts 2. Sorry. Get my verses right. Acts 2. Verse 38, Peter stood up and, and, and said, Repent, change your views and purpose to accept the will of God in your inner selves instead of rejecting it, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus. That's the new birth. Everybody needs to be born again before you receive the Holy Spirit. For the forgiveness and release from sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For listen, for the promise of the Holy Spirit is to you, and for you and your children, and two, and for all that are far away, even to as many as the Lord our God invites and bids come to himself. Did the Lord invite you to come to himself? Has the Lord invited you to salvation? Then the gift of the Holy Spirit is for you. Everybody that has been born again, it's for everybody. Everybody. Why would God put a helper on the inside of me and not a helper in the inside of you? Why would he give us the tools? And I don't have time to teach on what the tools of uh, speaking in tongues, but I'll tell you right now, it is fabulous. In fact, he's our intercessor. And I'll just throw this in real quick. One time, uh, a few, I don't know, it's maybe a couple of years ago, North Korea was uh, threatening a bomb against the United States, and it was all over the news. And when we were in intercessory prayer that day, um, we decided we would pray about that. And so we started to pray, and all of a sudden, when I started to pray, the tongues that I normally pray in changed to an oriental tongue. 
I mean, it sounded like maybe North Korean. I don't know. It was Oriental. And it went on for like 15 minutes. And then when we were done, I said, I don't know what that was all about, but something must have happened. And do you know we never heard another word about North Korea threatening a bomb after that? You say, how could that possibly be? I mean, this is Guymon, Oklahoma. How could just a few little prayers change something in the world? It's because we have the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, and he dwells in us, and he knows everything that needs to be prayed about, and he is our intercessor, and he can, he can allow us to pray. I don't have time to turn to Romans 8, 26, but it says he will help us to pray when we don't know how to pray as we ought or what to pray for as we ought. That's a tool. It's available to everybody. And so back to Luke 11. In Luke 11, what father among you, if his son asks for a loaf of bread, will give him a stone, or if he asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you, evil as you are, or as human as you are, know how to give good gifts, gifts that are to their advantage to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask and continue to ask Him? How much more? So how do you get the Holy Spirit? Do you have to work real hard and get your life all cleaned up and and never make a mistake and go to church every Sunday, which is good, and you should. But is that what qualifies you? Is that what? No. Ask. You ask, he will give. You ask, he will give. You ask, he will give. Simple as that. Now, you all might not have the same experience I have, but Charlie, I mean, when he, he went to a full gospel businessmen's meeting and um, he went forward to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and they liked to never got him baptized in the Holy Spirit. I mean, because he was like macho man. Um, he was a cowboy and stubborn and, and excuse me, hon. Uh, he was, but before it was over, he had received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And from that day forth, God began to work in our lives and sent us to Gaiman in 1977. And here we are. It has been our honor to offer this message today. If you would like to partner with us as we continue to bring the Word of God, we would ask that you prayerfully consider supporting Victory Center with a financial donation. You may do so today via the online giving portal at victorycenter.org. Thank you.